you could hardly get two careers more different than being in the military and being an interior designer. But that's exactly the move that today's guest, Bex Lewis-Knight, made when she decided to leave the military and become an interior designer. Let's hear her story. Welcome to the Hubcast, brought to you by the Interior Designers Hub, where we help and support interior designers to get trained, get into the industry, and to grow wildly successful businesses. If you want to work in the field you love, create the lifestyle you desire, and make the money you truly deserve, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Kate Hatherall. Let's get into it. I am so excited this morning to be talking to Bex Lewis-Knight. Good morning, Bex. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you, Kate. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on our Hubcast today. Thank you for inviting me. I've been really excited about it. Amazing. So, Bex, tell us a little bit about you and your business. Where are you based? What sort of design do you do? Sure. So, um, I'm Bex and I am the founder and director of Ivy Rose Interiors. Um, Ivy Rose is my middle name, so I thought that was a nice sort of name to uh, allocate to my business. And I'm based in in Birmingham, so I cover mostly around the Midlands area, over to Worcester and Malvern as well. Amazing. And what types of design do you do? Do you work in commercial, residential or across the board? Both, actually. Um, I really try to do more of the commercial work because I love big stories and big concepts and I love really getting to the the heart of someone's brand. So if they've opened up a restaurant, I love to really kind of make that immersive environment, really kind of explore the food that they're creating. Um, But I do some high-end residential as well. I'm doing a fantastic project over in Portugal at the moment in a very nice villa. So it's quite varied, my portfolio. It's more about the people that I work with than the types of projects, I guess. And that does sound amazing. And to be um, working internationally as well must be quite exciting. It is. Yeah, it's a learning curve for me. Um, but yeah, really, really good. And I've got lots of support from the hub, which is really helpful to lean on. Um, but yeah, really exciting. It's opened up a whole world of new suppliers to explore. So yeah, absolutely. Fun. Absolutely. So Bex, have you always been an interior designer or was there kind of life before interior design? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, No, I haven't always been an interior designer. And much to the surprise of many people I meet, I did um, trauma surgery in the Royal Air Force for 10 years prior to um, starting my business. Wow, that's quite some change. Yeah, not not the most direct route into interior design. But (laughs) if you ask me, have I always been a creative? I would say absolutely. So um, when I was always creating at school, I um, did A-levels in art and design and history which all kind of really just floated my boat. I went to university and studied textile design after an art foundation degree. And then I just lost all my confidence and joined the military. That seemed like the sensible thing to do. My mum was a nurse and my dad was also serving in the Air Force. So, yeah, I just sort of got really nervous, lost all kind of um, a little bit of zeal for design. I was a bit strung out by then, I think. Yeah. Um, so I ran away, joined the military, learned loads of life skills. Um, and then towards the end of my service I started to think I really do want to be a designer so went to university and that was all through the lockdown so that wasn't quite the experience I was expecting either. No absolutely so was it kind of a feeling that um, at that time that going to the military was kind of something that felt more familiar to you if you know your mum was doing the nursing side your dad was in the military so it was something that felt kind of comfortable for you? Yeah I think so and there was kind of that I felt like I'd made a lot of decisions and I thought 
joining the military, someone will tell me what to wear, how to have my hair. You know, I'll get some real experience. It'll be a whole new chat. I'm somebody that always sort of throws myself into a challenge and sort of say yes and figure it out later. Um, and I think that's part of who I am. Yeah. So I had a lot of friends that were serving. At that point, everybody was deploying to Iraq and I felt a bit felt a bit indulgent really to be designing beautiful fabrics and things and yeah I just sort of went to the careers office and they said oh would you would you like to go back to university and I thought oh yeah great if you're going to pay me to go to university I'll do that and I've made the most amazing friends I've had the most incredible experiences and it's really helped me to understand lots and lots of people you know from the very young to the very old which I really think helps inform design particularly in the commercial environment. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm seeing, you know, as I kind of record more of these hubcasts as well, is that people, a lot of people come to interior design after having done other things in their lives. And in fact, the experiences that they've got from doing those other things actually just enhance what they do now. And those skills are always transferable, no matter kind of how diverse they are from from interior design. Absolutely, because I think you know, we end, whatever environment you work in before, you understand the importance of that environment and, you know, it really impacts how you feel. I've seen that from a patient recovery sort of perspective, living in a tent in Helmand province, you know, it where you are affects how you feel. And I think if you're in a, in a job that maybe stretches some of those emotions, you kind of want to come back to yourself and start to think about those skills and another way that you can help people I think a lot of designers come from helping kind of fields if you like and we can really use those skills to spread our love and joy and creativity in another way and design interior design specifically really brings all of those things together it's all about people isn't it I love that so much. And I love the idea of you being in a tent in Helmand and thinking about interiors even in that that environment. That's amazing. <laughs> I can assure you, everybody knew which little part of the tent was mine. I had sort of fairy like chandeliers and my silk sheets. You know, you don't have to, any fool can be uncomfortable. So, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> love it. I've got that great picture in my head now. I can just see it. <laughs> so, um, Obviously, you're in the military and you've got this sort of creative background and you've taken this departure to doing something, you know, um, very valuable, um, very practical as well. Um, you know, healing people. At what point did you kind of feel that shift that you wanted to move back to, you know, sort of creating those um, more perhaps creative or more visually creative things? I think it was always there. So all throughout my service, I, involved, I was sort of enrolled in kind of evening photography courses or jewellery. I make a lot of my own silver jewellery, doing glass. And I love gifting. I'm a big gifter. So everyone I know and love gets handmade gifts, whether they like it or not. But for <laughs> me, it's putting that love into something. So um, obviously working in the hospital is very challenging. And after a couple of deployments, you know, it started to affect my kind of mental health, really. Mm-hmm. And I realised I wasn't having the opportunity to to create and that's really integral to, to my happiness and my well-being and I spent so long giving and giving I thought well and I need to find a more healthy sustainable way of, of doing this um, and I thought yeah really it's really nuts to give up my career you know two careers simultaneously when I left the military I still worked clinically for a little while and then went to university and sort of tried to do the two together and I thought there's not enough time I need to close that door and jump into this so I think it was a kind of organic realisation, really, of what, what is right for me and how I can help the world in a different way that's healthy for me also. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you made that switch and when you decided to close the door on your clinical work and kind of go all in in interior design, that must have been quite a scary moment to sort of, you know, yeah, close the door on your past almost and step sort of into the unknown. It, it really was. And that sort of really coincided with, with two significant events, one which affected all of us. So um, COVID, the advent of COVID meant I felt very... Um, Oh, really conflicted, actually, because obviously I had all these skills that were really valuable and really needed in the hospital. But I was kind of a good sort of, well, I was a good six months into my degree and I condensed my degree into two years. So it was massively intensive for me. And that all then the face to face teaching stopped. So I was doing it remotely and I just really needed all of that focus to be able to do this. You know, it wasn't just going to university for something to do. This was a life changing, career changing commitment. So that really um just sort of cemented the idea that as, as conflicted as I was I was committed to my new career and I needed to close the door in the hospital and at the same time my, my granddad became quite poorly and I thought I don't want to be going in and out of the hospital and sort of being able to, to look after him as well so the decision kind of was facilitated for me by external circumstances but I'm very grateful for those things um so yeah, it wasn't just wake up one day, it was kind of just layers and layers of reasons that were nudging me. I, I, I'm very sort of spiritual and I think the universe was giving me the nudge I needed to do what I need to do with my life. Absolutely. And looking back over that period of time, can you, do you feel that, you know, it was absolutely the right thing to do? Y- yes, I do. It's scary, you know, it's, and giving up a salary as well, That's that's been tricky for me. Um, changing my sort of lifestyle to, to facilitate that. But 100%, and it's, you know, I felt a little bit anxious about telling the people that I know and love, like, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to leave. And, and a lot of those people are still working in the hospital, my really good friends. And I, you know, I felt terrible. And they were like, you, of course, you should be doing this. You should have been doing this since you were born. So, oh. you know, the more people you start to sort of say it out loud and everyone's supporting you, you think, oh, it's me that's that's late to the party not everyone else <laughs> yeah and you know I hear that so much as well that you know we there are so many people that are so f- afraid of telling people right I'm making this change and it you know this is completely different to what I did before but actually everybody else around them goes like duh yeah you should have been doing that yeah exactly 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 that yeah. and it, it, it's, I suppose it's that isolation you know I've always worked in really big really efficient really capable teams and you've got loads of people to lean on and really that's what pulled me to, to finding you in the hub it was that community and you know I had really no links at all in, in design whatsoever so I was craving that kind of support and the mindset and realizing oh there's loads of people like me that do this yeah. it's not completely ballistic you know absolutely and you know there is a huge network of freelancers out there um but like you say if you're not kind of working for an organization especially if you're used to working with a really big organization all of a sudden you can feel really lonely and as you say that is one of the nice things about the hub is that it brings people together in that way so um kind of making the transition as you did were there any things that held you back anything that made you think i can't do this this isn't for me uh, I think it was a lot of the computer stuff, which sounds mental, doesn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Um, but my first day of university, you know, I've been working with my hands. I work in an operating theatre. I work with people. I, I handwrite my notes. You know, it, I hadn't really done anything on a computer. And I remember sitting in front of this beautiful Mac and this young lad called Will was sat next to me. And I said to him, Will, 
can you help me turn this computer off? <laughs> and he looked at me as if, you know, I just dropped off the moon. But um, he was ever so kind. And, you know, I was going back to university. I was 35, I think, when I started. So I was quite mature compared to a lot, a lot of the guys on the course. And I really had to sort of lean on them. And there were some definite mindset gremlins about that. Um, and that was a really steep learning curve. And, you know, admittedly, I do sort of accept that that's not my strongest, most efficient um skill yep. so I do outsource some of those things now which, which is brilliant you don't have to do it all on your own but that certainly was a mindset gremlin for me and also something I didn't enjoy you know it really stressed me out yeah I, I'm very tactile yeah and if and if you know if things aren't for you the technical drawing aspects or something as you say you can just outsource it and you don't have to do it all and it's about playing to your strength isn't it Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's just leaning on those past experiences. I wasn't doing the operation on my own. I wasn't doing the anaesthetic on my own. You're part of a, a team and it's sort of, you know, being able to you know, uh, build those relationships and those those trusting sort of um, collaborations are really helpful. And, you know, it doesn't have to feel so lonely and scary because actually some people love that side of things and it really complements, you know, the overall outcome for your client, which is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can work with other people on different aspects of projects. And, you know, I know in the hub, in, in the uh, one of the podcasts that we did previously, we were talking with Alessandra and she was talking about the different people that she's collaborated with. And so you don't have to kind of go it alone. And there is a whole community of people out there that you can lean on and you can work with together. So um, th- those are kind of the things that held you back then. So those things that sort of stopped you from getting going. What sorts of things helped you to get you to where you are? I think, um, again, being part of a team, I was always sort of leading teams before. So that worked really well at university. I had like, um, we entered quite a lot of competitions. Actually, one was for the BIID, which we won, which was absolutely Yay. incredible. I had a team of six ladies. Um, it was like International Women's Week at the same time. And um, being able to bring people together, I know that's a skill I'm really good at. So that's really helped me. That helps me in my business now, sort of, um, you know, bringing certain trades people together and coordinating timelines, you know, having strict sort of that process, I suppose, is really helpful. Um, also, I, I care less about making mistakes in regards to, you know, when you're designing and drawing. I used to be very sort of secretive when I was drawing in, in art classes before, but, you know, now I'm quite quite happy to just be really expressive and playful. You know, I was paying a lot of money and giving up a lot to go back to university. So I really wanted to be playful there and learn new skills. So that really um, informed some really creative sort of design thinking. Amazing. And how did you make that shift? Was it just, right, I'm going to throw myself in and go all in here? I think so. Mentally, yeah. I was like, I was excited. I got my new pencil case, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, really ha- had brilliant, um, brilliant support from my lecturers. I was older than two of them. So there was, you know, a sort of strange dynamic. I know it's just a number, but it did feel quite strange. Um, and I think just really leaning on people and their experiences and being able to sort of pinpoint I suppose, and support other junior um, designers sort of say, you know, you've got a great skill here. Why don't you do more of that? That's really good. And sort of end up nurturing people as well, because I think that's just inherently part of my my character. But I think that really helped to kind of get a really fun kind of creative atmosphere flowing and not throwing away the rule, but, but thinking much more. I'm much more of an artist really at heart than a sort of technical person. So that really brings some, some nice dynamic to, to team projects. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, interior design is a really human centric thing as well. And it is about people, you know, although it feels as though it's about things, it's actually it is about people and people's experiences of, of their space. Definitely. And I think, you know, sort of talking through those um, uh, those journeys, if you like, into a space, you know, I very much spend a lot of time with my eyes closed, imagining what, you know, where do I put the light switch on? Where will I want to put my coat? Kind of going through that journey. And, you know, when you work in a big hospital, for example, if you're waiting for news and, you know, the sound of someone's footprint, footsteps coming down the corridor, so you can be massively, um, you know, stressful for somebody to hear. So I really like to kind of think about how it will feel in all the senses within a space. And, and that's something I really try to um, continue through all of my designs, whether it's a, a lounge refresh or whether it's a you know a huge sort of hotel. It's really thinking about how that will that experience will feel for lots of different people that will use that space. I love that. And again, you know, we see that kind of you know that previous career that feels so unrelated to what you're doing now actually has huge relevance and has brought you know ideas and experiences that you can still use today in a completely different career. So in terms of um, what you do now obviously you've got a wonderful business it's up and running you're kind of living the dream as it were did you find it very easy to set up your own business was it something that you did kind of straight away out of university or was it something that you were less sure about how to do um well I'm quite spoiled because my other half is a quite successful businessman so he's a he's an accountant so he sort of sorted out a lot of the technical sort of you know getting registered with companies house all of that sort of thing and actually that happened on the, the first day we came home from university because I'd sort of been musing some ideas for, for the company name and I said oh I think I want to call it Ivy Rose Interiors so we we sort of accelerated the important parts if you like just to secure my domain name and this and that and the other didn't really do much with them for a while but at least got them registered and then you know, I was busy, busy studying. Clients were sort of coming to me, friends and family, that sort of thing. Um, so that started to sort of swell the portfolio. Did a bit of pro bono work again while I was studying for some small cafes and restaurants locally. But yeah, now it's kind of really starting to get serious. You think this is a serious business now. I need the next level and I need more support. And it's scary. It's really scary. Really exciting. You know, you wake up every day and you're like, okay, I'm the boss. What do I do? Yeah, absolutely. So I think going back to again old habits, having a process every Sunday night, I like to sort of plan out my week. There's some gaps in there, but this needs to be done, you know, appointments, schedules, and just getting better and better at being efficient and not afraid to outsource, I think is really key to surviving. Yeah, absolutely. And leaning on the other people that are around you, just like you did when you were in the operating theatre. It's, you know, different environment, but same thing. It really is. And, you know, there's always so many people that are willing to help you. You know, the hub is absolutely brilliant for just a quick sort of, am I being crazy? Is this sensible? Is this nuts? Where can I find something like this? You know, I spent five hours looking for a lampshade. Help me. You know, it's really grounding, isn't it? To just sort of chat through people who, who understand why it's really important that that lampshade fits and works and is the right tone um so yeah leaning on people like that I've, I've been involved a lot with my local chamber of commerce that's great as well from a more commercial point of view setting up those networks and building those relationships and letting people know who you are and what you do is is really where I'm at with my business right now it's that kind of elevated brand awareness I guess in some respects yeah Absolutely. And it is all about, you know, getting out there, getting visible, 
um, you know, getting people to know that you exist. Um, and then, you know, the work comes rolling in um, and word of mouth as well, you know, is massive um, for bringing work in yeah. as well. I think that's a really um, helpful point, actually. And just to touch on one of your previous questions, Kate, um, I I moved to Birmingham literally just before I started university. And then obviously we had the lockdown. So I have no network here. I didn't go to school here. I didn't grow up here. don't really have any colleagues here. So that's been a real challenge for me. So I've really had to get outside you know and, and meet people and get to know people and that's um you know it's hard work and it takes a lot of commitment and sometimes you haven't got all the energy to sort of go out and be really vivacious and excited but it's critical um so yeah you you can sort of learn learn that and it gets less and less scary the more you do it absolutely I completely agree <laughs> and um okay one kind of last question then if you could kind of be transported back in time and give some advice to your younger self, what would you tell her? Oh, I would tell her that you can do it and you are creative and you are amazing and you are meant to be doing this. And yes, things are scary and you don't always know how it's going to work out, but just be playful, be excited, love what you do and the rest will just sort of fall into place. Absolutely. What great advice. I love it. Alrighty. Before you go, Bex, would you be happy to play a game of designer this or that? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Love a game. Um, okay. So we've got one minute on the clock. Um, I'm going to give you two different options and it's just kind of quick fire. You have to select one or the other. Don't overthink it. Just go with it. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <sighs> okay. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Brand paints or colour match? Colour match. Four plants or real plants? Real plants. Linen or velvet? Linen. Glam or rustic? Rustic. Art deco or pop art? Deco. Changing rooms or interior design masters? Oh, interior design masters. <laughs> Floral or plain? Plain. Farrow and ball or dulux? Dulux. Carpet or hard flooring? Oh, hard flooring all the way. <laughs> Brushed chrome or shiny chrome? Brushed. Maximalist or minimalist? Maximalist. Spots or stripes? Stripe. Neutral or colourful? Oh, that's hard. Neutral. <laughs> Blinds or curtains? Blind. Formal or casual? Casual. Geometric or botanical? Oh, geometric. And we are out of time. Amazing. Whew, you survived it. That was a bit intense. I'd, I'd probably do my answers completely differently if you did it again. <laughs> It's a bit stressful, isn't it, being put under the spotlight like that? No, it's brilliant. I love it. I need that sometimes. I need that pressure to perform. Thank you. Absolutely. Amazing. Oh, Bex, it's been so nice hearing your journey um, from working in the military into interior design. I think probably one of the um, biggest um, changes that we've heard of so far on the Hubcast. Uh, but we really appreciate you giving up your time today. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun, Kate. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for tuning in to Hubcast by the Interior Designers Hub. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot and share it to Facebook, Instagram or your favourite social media channel. Make sure to tag me in at Interior Designers Hub and let me know what you enjoyed about this episode. I reply to each and every comment. I'd also like to offer you an incredible free gift, which is going to show you the exact roadmap that you need to take to become a wildly successful interior designer. It shares our secrets to business success. If you'd like to get your hands on that, head on over to interiordesignershub.co.uk forward slash roadmap right now. 
Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.